0: Father, you are good, and your love endures forever. Father, we invite you. We invite you into our thoughts. Father, we invite you into our conversations. We invite you into our time this morning that point us to you. You are true. You are life and you are light. In you there is no darkness at all. And in you we live and move and have our being, so we have our being in life and we have it in your light. Jesus, thank you for including us. And your cross in your death your resurrection and your ascension thank you for placing us in you and you and us that there is no separation and thank you holy spirit that you empowered us that you comfort us that you are here with us you have filled us with your presence and you have come upon us and baptized you, baptized us with your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here today to teach us and to guide us in all truth and always point us to Jesus. Thank you that you always point us to Jesus. If we can't do this. We confess that, that we can't do this alone. And so we thank you that we have included in the Trinity, there we are with you right now. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> just wanted to continue to think about how good God is, um, and so um, in that, and um, we 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 talk about it a lot that Jesus is perfect theology, and so just want to remind us just going into Hebrews chapter one. Um, I want to read Hebrews chapter 1 to us. Again, I'll be in the Passion Version. But um, just reminding us that Jesus is perfect theology. So if we're looking at Christ um, when we look at the Word. And that when we read the Word, we want to see it through the eyes of Jesus. Um, We also want to um, incorporate our life like he incorporates His life. Um, so in Him we live, we move, we have our being. So um, so one of the things in Hebrews 1, just reminding us that He is that exact replica of the Father. Uh, and so if we want to know what the Father is like, then Jesus showed us. If we want to know what our true self is like, then Jesus showed us. Um, And so let's just dig into Hebrews, and uh, then we'll go from there. But Hebrews chapter 1, throughout our history, God has spoken to our ancestors by his prophets in many different ways. The revelation he gave them was only a fragment at a time, building one truth upon another. But to us, living in these last days, God now speaks to us openly in the language of a son. The appointed heir of everything, for through him God created the panorama of all things and all time. God speaks openly, it says, through the language of a son. So, he is speaking to us today through the language of Jesus Christ. That is who he, that's how he is speaking to us. It is emanated through Christ, Right? And it says, verse 2, The sun is the dazzling radiance of God's splendor, the exact expression of God's true nature, His mirror image. He holds the universe together and expands it by the mighty power of His spoken word. He accomplished for us the complete cleansing of sins. Accomplished. It's done and then took his seat on the highest throne at the right hand of the Majestic One. So it is a, he is seated in that place, meaning it is a, that, that part is a finished work. Verse 4, he is infinitely greater than angels, for he inherited a rank and a name far greater than theirs, for God has never said to any angel what he said to Jesus. You are my favored son. Today I have fathered you. And this, I will be the father to him, and he will be the son to me. And again, when he brought his firstborn son into the world, it says, Let all my angels bow down before him and kiss him in worship. And about his angels, he says, I make my angels swift winds and my ministers fiery flames. But about his son, he called him God, saying, Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever, and you will rule your kingdom with justice and righteousness, for you have cherished righteousness and detested lawlessness. For this reason, God, your God, has anointed you and poured out the oil of bliss on you more than on any of your friends. And he called him, Lord, saying, Lord, you formed the earth in the beginning, and with your own hands you crafted the cosmos. They will both one day disappear, but... You will remain forever. They will all fade away like a worn-out garment, and they will be changed like clothes, and you will fold them up and put them away, but you are, I am. You never change, years without end, and God has never said this to any of his angels. Take your seat next to me at my right hand until I force your whispering enemies to be a rug under your feet. What role then do angels have? The angels are spirit messengers sent by God to serve those who are going to be Saved. So, there from the beginning, John talks about, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. A word with pros, meaning they were face-to-face, mirror images together. The expression is used here about mirror images of them reflecting one another. The exact replica, mirror images together, together from the beginning. In one another. And Jesus in John 17, as he prays for us, that we would be one with them as they are one. And so he has included us in that place. In fact, Ephesians says we are seated. He says here he set him down at the right hand. And Ephesians says we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus that is where we are first John says, as he is now, so are we in this world so we look at if God is speaking through his son this very time these last days it says he is speaking through his son right and if the earth in Romans says is groaning for the sons of God to rise up and take their place, we have to see who we are in Christ Jesus um, and to see that um, and so it really gets um, muddy sometimes. Um, I have a friend of mine that um, did some classes together this year through school, and we were on this national um, cohort thing. And um, one of the things he said is the if the waters are are still muddy, then you hadn't got deep enough. Um, and so if you can't see through the mud, and you hadn't got deep enough, and so um, I think here lately I. I had been looking at the muddy waters um, of society, of our culture, of um, just the things that are going on, news, it looks like there's a lot of death, a lot of sickness, a lot of um, downcast. It just reminds me of Isaiah, that behold there was a darkness across the whole land and it just seems like um, you can allow that to just oppress you. Um, and so uh, what I've had to do really over this last week is just really push myself through um, almost like I'm in that shallow water trying to push through that mud until I can get out in deep waters and really see um, and so um, I've got a list of things here uh, of uh, Jesus what we see in the Gospels of how he treated certain things and so um, I have a list here, uh, maybe about 10 things that we're going to look at, um, and don't think you're going to be here for a long time. I wrote real quick notes on them, um, just to kind of remind us, really, just reminders um, of how Christ uh, responded to certain things. And so, um, first thing here is uh, possessions. How did Christ deal with Possessions um Jack hayford he says, Abundance is measured by how much we give away, not by how much we have and I think um Jesus lived that right um he didn't walk around looking like he had much, um but obviously he did have much if he could feed the five thousand um if he could um you know turn water into wine if he can um he was always abundant right in in his giving was more than enough um he so gave right god the father so gave his um and so he is he is so giving he is above the top giving and so jesus taught us that our true riches are um unseen realities in the kingdom right that for here and now um it is better to store up treasures in heaven than treasures on earth um and then he taught that the love of money can cost us true riches, and so um never you know it's not possessions are bad, it's not that to have those things, but really, he was teaching us the real true way of real riches and how his kingdom operates with riches um, obviously um, he didn't have a problem blessing um, and so um we can't say that we don't need blessings or things like that. So um, what he taught on that, it was the love of money that cost us those true riches. So looking at economics then, um, economics, he taught us giving was a priority in the kingdom, right? Um, it was a priority in kingdom finances, um, but God, or Jesus showed us that he was not a socialist. I've heard some some people say that, well, if Jesus was here, he, he would be like socialism. He would set up socialism. Um, and so, I want you to think about that. Um, what is socialism? Well, it's... We do all the work where everybody gets something, but did Jesus do that? No. Remember Mark chapter 10, verse 28-30? through 30? Remember, they received a hundred times what they had left right um, and then in matthew twenty five and in Luke nineteen in talking about the talents, the one that did not take responsibility was left with nothing. in fact, what he had been given was taking from him, so that's not socialism right um and so economics um uh, giving was a priority, but it was not by um without reward, right, and so that reward is there um for those. Who will seek him and um, walk in his will. What about um, VIPs? These um, uppity people, right? (laughs) The important people. He never changed who he was uh, based off of those people. Um, He understood that promotion was from Papa, right? From his Papa. He understood that that's where promotion came from. He grew in wisdom and favor with God and man. Remember that? After he left the temple when he was 12. Um, And so he understood promotion was from Papa. Um, But think about Nicodemus who was in that high stature. right? He still made room for Nicodemus who was afraid of man's opinion to come and meet with Jesus. So that's why he had to meet with him at night. So he had a heart. Uh, Nicodemus had a heart that wanted to obey, but he didn't have courage to actually follow. And Jesus gave him grace to meet with him. And eventually, he, we see that he did have courage because, remember, he brought the spices for the burial. Um, and so, um, so even then, Jesus meets people where they are, um, not based off of prestige or anything else but he still had compassion for them, even whenever they would not take the courage upon themselves. How did he treat Satan? Well, one thing we see was he did not chase the devil, but however, he dealt with him when he got in the way. He also never lived in reaction to Satan. Instead, um, his response was always to the Father. So he was not living in response to Satan, he was living in response to the Father. And so um, I think um, we can learn from that because the devil loves to have our attention. And we're constantly talking about him and talking about how dark it is. Why not talk about why the light is not as bright as it should be? We should be living in response to the Father and not in response to, um, in defense towards the enemy constantly. Um, He is not, he is, um, he is not worth. Our attention that much. Papa is worth our attention, and when we're living in response to Papa, um, those other things, um, we'll know how to take care and move the mountain when we need to move the mountain. All right. What about religious leaders? Um, he didn't tolerate a lot of their stuff. <laughs> Um, but we do see that he welcomed their honest conversations. Sometimes when they actually had honest conversations, he welcomed those. Um, and he even also a couple of times he acknowledged um, whenever a few of them showed great faith. Um, so he even acknowledged them, and he didn't. Um, so you know, he I think a lot of times we just say, "Well, they're religious," so we just put them all in a box. And um, but you remember, Jesus was after everybody's heart. And so, um, he didn't just exclude people because they belonged to a certain thing. And that's in Mark chapter 12, verse 34, we see that he acknowledged even great faith and wisdom in some, um, political issues. Now, there were a lot of political issues during Jesus' day, and he could have addressed a lot of them, right? Um... So, we don't ever need to get in the spot to think that we're the only ones dealing with political issues. Uh, this has been going on for a long time. Um, some had it worse than others. Some had it better than others. Um, but, Jesus had plenty that he could have addressed. But, did he? No, instead, he always taught about his kingdom. He wasn't focused on their kingdom. He was talking and focused about his kingdom which was a kingdom of the heart, which was always about a matter of the heart. You think about every one of these issues so far that we've mentioned, possessions, economics, all these things was a matter of the heart, whether he was dealing with a religious leader, whether he was dealing with a VIP, whether he was, it was always about an issue of the heart. Because that always has the power to deal with the issues of his day and hour. So go back to that part about where we think Jesus would be a socialist. Would he? No. Um, And you think about that. um, Yes, it was giving. um, And it was all about helping people in need. At the same time, if we set up a government that is like that without changing the heart, we still got nowhere. Um, and if we fix all our issues that we have in America right now, and we fix them all, and we do them like we want to do them, guess what? Without changed hearts, hearts that belong to the Father, who are seeking the Father, are still going to be right back in the same place that we was before. Um, and so this these political issues... We don't see him addressing because he was teaching of a different kingdom. How did he deal with sinners? He spent time with them. Notice he was known as a friend of sinners. And they loved him. They loved him. Think about that. He's the holiest person to ever live and sinners loved him. Well, so, my question is, why do we... Why church people, Christianity, however you want to put it, us religious folks, why do sinners call us uppity-up people? Why do sinners look at us and say we're a bunch of hypocrites? Why do sinners say I don't want to do with them? Um, but yet, they love Jesus because he didn't do the things that they did. Even though he hung out with them, he didn't do what they did, nor condone what they did. However... I want you to think about this. He was real holiness, but he was also real love. Right? He was love. God is love. So Jesus is love. Right? And so a lot of things that we think about, well, that was Jesus. Right? We give that excuse all the time that, well, he did that because he's Jesus. He did it because he's love. He is love. And we are to become love. Love. First Timothy says that is our goal. First Timothy chapter one is to become love, because he is love, and he is in us, and we are in him. So real love and real holiness. People are actually hungry for that. In fact, the sons of God, if they would rise up and take their place, they become real love and real holiness. People are so hungry for that. What do he say about angels? We even saw that right here um, in this passage in Hebrews. But they ministered to him, Um, they ascended and descended from him, but he never worshiped them. However, even though he never worshiped them, he did not ignore them. And so I think that's where we get that wrong a lot of times, um, is angels are cooperating with us. Um, They are ministers here on this earth. They are sent to do um, the work of God. They are released by the word and authority of God. Um, and so we have to remember they didn't just disappear when Holy Spirit showed up, um, and so I think that's what we think a lot of times, and we misread some of these passages thinking that uh, we're not supposed to worship angels, uh, which we're not, um, but talking about angels does not mean we're worshiping them, um, and so we have to get that in our head that they are a part of the kingdom. What do you say about government? And so government is a little bit different than the politics I was talking about earlier. Government... He said to give Caesar what is his. And this was a very bad uh, government system in Jesus' day, right? Um, A lot of people were upset with the government. A lot of people was ready for Jesus to come on the scene because they were looking for a Messiah that was going to uproot that current government system who had them in oppression. And every time they asked him about that, he was like, nope, not what I'm doing. (laughs) right? So, it was a very, very bad government system, but instead, he says, what? Whatever they asked him, he said, give Caesar's what is his, right? Um, and so, um, I think that's hard because if that was a righteous government during his day, we'd be like, well, see, they could trust them, so that's why Jesus said that, but we don't have nothing to stand on when we say that because that was not a good government, right? Um, And so, again, Jesus is about his government, his system of government, right? Uh, Funerals. (laughs) Include this because thinking about death a lot, um, a lot of death around here, a lot of sickness around here, Um, but how did Jesus, um, how did he approach funerals? Well, he ruined them. (laughs) <laughs> what I mean by that what did he do he ruined the funeral because the funeral was to honor the dead person there was nobody dead whenever Jesus walked off <laughs> he raised him he even did that at his own funeral right three days later he rose um, and so God took sickness and disease very seriously Hebrew says it is a time appointed for man to die um, but the thing about that is is, we see that through Jesus' work is that sometimes obviously it was before the time that they were supposed to, um, and so Jesus went about sickness and disease, knocking it on its heels, um, because that is not from the Father. So we see that it's not from the Father. We see that sickness and disease is not from the Father. Does He not? And He does not want His people to be sick. Um, he does not want His people um, to 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 do that, right? He you know, doesn't want people to be in that, right? Um, And so, um, I think, again, we have to look at a lot of this stuff as about his kingdom operates differently. Um, but it also, it operates from a matter of the heart with Papa. All these things we see are access points to the Father and the Father's ways. Um, all these things are about the kingdom and how his kingdom operates. Remember, it's an upside-down kingdom, um, and since we started in Hebrews, remember the Hebrews talks about there's such a great cloud of witnesses that are watching, um, surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And you think about those people he just talked about in the chapter before that. They um, It says that this was not their home that they were passing through. And so, yes, Jesus' kingdom will be established here on this earth, bringing heaven to earth Um, But realizing this current establishment is not the way it would be operated. It will be operated under his kingdom um, and his kingdom dynamics. And and so um, I want us to just think about that in our everyday life. We are bombarded with questions. Um, We are bombarded with, um, you know, just stuff that really... Two years ago, it did not even matter to us. Um, two years ago, we never talked about masks. <laughs> to be honest. Two years ago, um, you know, if we saw somebody wearing a mask, we was like, oh, let's uh, let's respect that because obviously they're sick or 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 something. You know, they're trying to protect themselves from getting sick. Um, and now it's a big issue. Um, vaccines. Um, I was talking to somebody yesterday and. Um, you know, I've been in education since 2004, and i um, been with a lot of people trying to register their kids, and every time it's like, you know, we need your records uh, before they can get into school. Um, you know, and I never really thought about it before, and now it's like a, a big, monstrous um, division about it. Um, and so many things um, that we're... Putting our trust in, and we're um, are not putting our trust in, um, and so um, I think we lose our focus. And so, just want to remind us just to to not lose our focus. Our focus is not about um, a lot of these things that you know we want it to be about. And um, His kingdom is a different kingdom, and. Um, we're supposed to be bringing that kingdom um, regardless. And um, if we're constantly divided and we're constantly, I gotta be right, um, my stance is right and your stance is wrong, we're never gonna bring real kingdom. Um, And so one of the, the ways he wants to divide us is, is to isolate us, uh, cause disunity, um, and so that there is no unity. Remember Jesus' prayer is that we be one as, the, as they are one. And once that we are one, then the world will know that He is God. Um, and so, um, He is not asking us to be, um, you know, ganging up on people about these things current issues Um, we need to be bringing kingdom to mask wearers and non-mask wearers we need to be bringing kingdom to vaccine vaccine people and non-vaccine people we need to be um, bringing uh, kingdom to democrats and republicans Um, He paid a high price for all people, for all mankind um, and for this world and so that the cosmos would be redeemed. And um, just been reminded this week that not everything is permissible, but everything is redeemable. And uh, because we know that it is because it will always all one day be redeemed. Um, But as long as um, our thoughts are on a different kingdom, um, we'll be missing out and we have such a short time to live this life on this earth and so um, I just want to encourage you I want to encourage you to stay faithful, to stay true um, um, to not get bombarded um, with so much that's going on that we forget the real kingdom um, and real kingdom dynamics that are going on around us. Um, there's hurting people all around you who need you there's hurting people all around you even in a, amongst our group who need love and who need a shoulder to cry on, um, who need somebody to talk to, who need somebody to be a friend. Um, and that is all around us. And, um, just want to remind you, let's bring kingdom. And, uh, I sent out a little thing, uh, to our group yesterday. And I just want to read that passage to you again. Um, because we have not been able to be together over the last couple of weeks and i um, not going to lie man I, I miss you guys tremendously and uh, just this verse speaks to me because of he's talking about the separation that they had but um, this is just huge to me he said below it friends we may have been torn away from you physically for a season but never in our hearts and that's so true For we have had intense longings and have endeavored to come and see your faces in the reflection of this great love. We miss you badly. I personally wanted to come to you trying again and again, but our adversary, Satan, blocked our way. Yes, he did. For we will be our confident, what will be our confident hope, our exhilarating joy, our wonderful trophies that we will boast in before our Lord Jesus that is appearing. It is you. Yes, you are our glorious pride and joy. When we could bear it no longer. We, de- we decided that we would remain in Athens and send Timothy in our place. He is our beloved brother and co-worker with God in preaching the gospel. We knew he would strengthen your faith and encourage your hearts so that no one would be shaken by these persecutions. For you know you are destined for this. In fact, when we were with you, we forewarned you. Suffering and persecution is coming. And so it has happened. As you well know, for this reason, when I could endure it no longer, I sent our brother to find out if your faith was still strong. For I was concerned that the tempter had somehow enticed you and our labor would have been in vain. But now Timothy has just returned to us and brought us the terrific news of your faith and love. He informed us that you still hold us dear in your hearts and that you long to see us as much as we long to see you. So our dear brothers and sisters, in the midst of all our distress and difficulties, your steadfastness of faith, has greatly encouraged our hearts. We feel alive again as long as we know that you're standing firm in the Lord. How could we ever thank God enough for all the wonderful joy that we feel before our God because of you? Every night and day we sincerely and fervently pray that we may see you face to face and furnish you with whatever may be lacking in your faith. Now, may our Father God and our precious Lord Jesus guide our steps on a path straight back to you. And may the Lord increase your love until it overflows towards one another and for all people, just as our love overflows towards you. Then your heart shall be strengthened in holiness so that you may be flawless and pure before the face of our God and Father at the appearing of our Lord Jesus with all His holy ones. Amen. And so just want to close this out and, and just I reminded you of this yesterday but I want to just kind of do this exercise with you before um, we depart today but in first Corinthians 13 if you were to become love first Timothy um chapter 1 says you're to become love right and that is our goal and so um I want you to replace the word love um Starting in verse four of First Corinthians thirteen, and so we'll read it like that. But I want you to replace it with your name as you read that. And that may sound a little weird at first. Um, and it really may feel weird when you begin to do it. Um, but you got to realize that's who you're, who you are. God is love. He's in you and you were in him. And you were to become that. And so to remind yourself that this is who I am, then just take a practice of this. That this is who you are becoming. And so to remind yourself this is who you are. So the first three verses, just read as it is. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, express myself with What? Like Jesus, right? My words wouldn't be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy, the profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, if I possess unending supernatural knowledge, if I had the greatest gift of faith, I could move mountains, but never learn to love, never learn to be like Jesus. I'm nothing. If I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor, to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. So here we, verse 4, begin to take that, and I'll just use the word I as we're doing it today, but just begin to practice that in your own time and use your name there. But I am large and incredibly patient. It may sound weird at first. Just remind yourself I am incredibly patient. Why? Because I'm becoming love. I'm incredibly patient. I am gentle. I am consistently kind to all people. I refuse to be jealous when blessing comes to someone else. I never brag about one's achievements, nor inflate my own importance. I do not traffic in shame or disrespect, nor selfishly seek my own honor. I'm not easily irritated. (laughs) I don't quickly take an offense. But... I joyfully celebrate honesty. I find no delight in what is wrong. I am a safe place of shelter, for I never stop believing the best for others. I never take failure as defeat, for I never give up, for I never stop loving for love, see, extends beyond the gift of prophecy, which eventually fades away. It's more endearing than tongues, which will one day fall silent. See, love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are but partial. But when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. When I was a child, I spoke about childish matters. For I saw things like a child and reason like a child. But the day came when I matured and I set aside my childish ways. For now, we see but a faint reflection of riddles and mysteries as though reflected in a mirror. But one day, we will see face to face. My understanding is, well, it's incomplete right now. Think about that. No matter our understanding right now, it's still incomplete. So we must keep pressing in. But one day I will understand everything, just as everything about me has been fully understood. Until then, there are three things that remain. Faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. And Hebrews reminds us, there is a race that we are running. Let us run it well. Amen.